Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number... Oh, shoot, I forgot to look at the episode number. I think it's number 19 for April 3rd, 2009. Sorry for our bit of a long absence. It's been, what, three weeks? But I've had many things go on, death in the family, one thing or another, and you, Wesley, have been at South by Southwest. How was that? Yes, that, and I got the South by Southwest SARS right afterwards, and so that took a while to recover, but South by, South by Southwest was awesome. Yeah, I haven't heard too much of the South by Southwest sickness this year, except from you. I heard a lot about it last year, but it seems like you're the only one I've heard from that I know, of the people that I know that went that actually got sick from it. Well, I've talked to a couple people who have gotten sick after South by Southwest, but maybe I was patient zero. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like this year South by Southwest didn't get quite get the coverage that it did last year. I mean, other than a couple of the parties and Dignation and stuff, I heard almost nothing out of South by Southwest. Well, I think the big thing last year was because of the whole Sarah Lacey, Mark Zuckerberg debacle. I think that was the thing that propelled it to... To, to to be talked about in different circles, and I, I think that's why there wasn't that much buzz about it this year. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Plus, it seemed like last year Twitter was the big thing there, and now that it's mainstream, it didn't seem like it was that big a deal. Yeah, I think Foursquare was the the big new app that people were trying to get people to hop on uh, this year at South by Southwest. Um, and also, I think because of the way that South by Southwest grew, uh, there's a lot more noise, so it's hard harder to get some of the really good stuff out of it this year. So what's Foursquare? I don't think I've heard of that. Um, Foursquare is kind of like Google's, um, what was it, Latitude service, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a location service for your friends, um, but it combines that with some of the uh, Xbox 360 merit system in which uh, you get points for being in a certain place for so many times, and uh, like you could become a mayor of some place, or you can become, uh, you know, you get different badges for different things that you accomplish. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of a location service mixed in with a little bit of a game merit system. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. I'll have to check that out. I don't think I'd even heard much of that mentioned. It. The only thing that I've heard much of lately is Squarespace. Every, everybody seems to be going crazy over Squarespace, yet I have yeah. no desire to mess with it, no matter how cool it may be. Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, the cool GeoCities. <laughs> yeah, it. I don't know, I looked at the packages on it, and it just doesn't seem worth it in terms of what you get for what you pay for. And there's a lot of cool technology behind it and everything, but in terms of like physical specs, I've got I'm doing a whole lot better on the server I have now than what they offer. Yeah, it sounds like for people who are just wanted to just get into it and don't already have a product. Yeah. Yeah, I I would consider moving over to it if I ended up with like a free trial or if I 
could get it a little cheaper or something like that or something comparable to what I have now. But as of right now, WordPress works fine on the current host, so that's just what I'm going to stick with. But anyway, we've well, I got... think through uh, I think through Twit. I think from um, one of Leo Laporte's podcasts. Anyway, I think he was giving away uh, one month free codes on his on his podcast. I may have to check that out just to maybe put one of my other blogs on it and just to give it a shot for a month or something like that and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're promoting all over with all the major podcasts between Twit, Cranky Geeks, Dignation, you name it. They seem to be promoting there, and it, they seem to be doing pretty well from it too. Yeah, well, I mean, more power to them. Anybody who supports podcasts is a good person in my book. Yeah. Well, we've got tons of stories, so we'll go ahead and get those run down, and then we'll get on with them, because there's a lot to talk about this week. Starting with IBM to reportedly buy Sun for $7 billion. Phoenix police raid home of Critical Blogger. Texas bans Vista from government computers. Study Facebook and YouTube at work makes for better employees. Virtual gaming leagues fold, forcing gamers to find real jobs. Sony drops the price of the PlayStation 2. Time Warner monthly data caps are spreading beyond Texas. ABC Disney looking to join Hulu. 84% of people would prefer to have more blog readers than Twitter followers. Netflix upping Blu-ray fees. And AT&T has tweaked their wireless terms of service to forbid video streaming, file sharing, and data tethering. All that and much more when we come back on the Global Geek News Podcast. those that want to follow along with all the stories, you can, of course, find the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Quick note about that. For the first story with the IBM reportedly buying Sun for $7 billion that we're going to get into here in just a second, that is on the New York Times. You will have to do a login. You can get a free login if you want. If not, I recommend going to bugmenot.com, get a login that somebody else uses, and you can get in to read the article right there. Anyway, let's Speaking of that story, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Supposedly, uh, sources are saying that IBM is looking to buy Sun for $7 billion. With the economy the way it is, a lot of businesses, especially large ones, will be looking for consolidation to, uh, I guess, group in numbers to try to pull together to to help uh, bolster their business uh, and get companies at a cheap price, and I think this is an awesome move. Seven billion is pennies in 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 the server industry. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not real sure about this. And that's right now they're talking about offering nine fifty a share, which is down from I guess ten dollars a share. But that's still a hundred percent premium based on what Sun's value was before the rumors. And I don't know, it just to me it doesn't seem like a very good time for two major heavyweights like they are to be buying each other out. Well, I think that both IBM and Sun are heavy into the open source movement, and them combining forces on that front, I think, could help everybody. Yeah, I, that's certainly their, I think, the biggest asset of both of them. Although it seems like whenever Sun touches something, it always ends up kind of turning into garbage, or at least a shadow of its former self. So I'm I'm, kind of, I'm curious to see if that kind of happens with IBM if they get integrated into IBM. Well, I, I kind of see that, but I'm glad that it's IBM buying Sun and not the other way around. IBM has a very strong IP uh, portfolio, and they're very smart people. And being able to um, pull in Sun and get some of their expertise and their engineers, um, I think that they're... they're IBM is a smart enough company that they can make it work. I mean, mergers are always tricky. If it's not done right, um, no matter if the companies are best fit, they can still take each other down. I mean, look at AOL and Time Warner. Um, that could have been a perfect, perfect marriage, but it was just executed very poorly. Uh, I think that it, as long as their M&A people are, are, are smart, this 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 is a smart move, especially right now, before things get any worse. Anyway. Yeah, I think a lot of this is about the intellectual property, and if I remember right, I think IBM holds more patents than anybody else. So I think this would this is more about to boost their patents. I mean, I'm, there's a lot of projects and stuff that they can really benefit from that Sun has to offer, like MySQL, Solaris, and stuff like that, but. I mean, what are they going to do with some office software like Star Office that no one even uses anyway? And I, I, I personally, I see no value in something like that that nobody, that most, that I'd say 99% of people have never heard of, or the less used. So I, I think this is more about the intellectual property than most of the assets, with with a couple of exceptions. Well, I see what you're saying about Star Office, but that's more of a consumer play. If you look at IBM, bulk of their software, you know, if you think about their WebSphere, your Domino server, that kind of stuff, it's more enterprise software. And if they can integrate, let's say, uh, Star Office into a software as a service proposal, or maybe integrate it into their uh, their packages, uh, into their uh, proprietary um, AIX uh, system. I mean, I, I think a lot of um, uh, a lot of a, a lot of things that they do is from the enterprise viewpoint. So, if you think about that, being able to deploy a whole office uh, system from the email server down to the client OS, uh, down to even the mobile space, I think IBM is able to be able to present that whole package and uh, and uh from a from an enterprise standpoint that sounds very attractive yeah i don't, I don't know if, if it was me running a business and i was looking for something like this 
even with that, I think I would probably, even if I had that option to star office, I would prefer to go with something like open office if I was trying to avoid the um, costs of Microsoft Office, because it would open office seems to be a whole lot more of a standard and at least a little bit more accepted than star office does i i would almost say ditch star office if i were them well star office is the same as open office except that uh it has some additional features it has some uh uh so some closed source in there in addition to the open source and it has support so it's basically the same code base um but uh, if i understand what you're saying from cost but some of that is support and I think if you're looking for cost savings, I don't think anyone is going to IBM or Sun for their enterprise needs. I think what you're looking for when you go to an IBM is a whole package. And I think that this really expands their portfolio and can help on that front. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see how this plays out. Right now it's just reports of this going to be happening. There's been rumors flying around for about what is it, probably about a week or two about it. Right now, there's nothing confirmed. I don't think either sides are talking about it, so we'll just have to see how it plays out. But One thing is that Sun seems very amenable to this. they like, yes, please buy us. And I haven't really heard of any dissent saying, you know, I don't, I, 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 we're, we're evaluating everything, we're looking at IBM's offer. You know that little uh, cat and mouse thing that Yahoo and, and Microsoft did? It seems to be none of that there. It seems like IBM says, okay, we'll lower the offer, and Sun says, uh, okay, but uh, but you're still going to buy us, right, even if there is problems? And, Sun says, and, and IBM says, yes. And so it, it, it seems like, at least coming into it, it seems pretty cut and try that this is going to happen. Yeah, I've been kind of surprised I haven't heard any kind of hesitancy at all. But at the same time, they could be looking at what happened between Microsoft and Yahoo and how... Yahoo stock went in the tank after all that that whole debacle and how board members got ousted and everything else and probably are thinking well maybe it is better to just be sold than have something like that happen yeah I'm just hoping that the merger of the two can somehow you know one plus one equals three that it's just becomes a giant mega power for something that's one thing when I, you know, I, IBM is known for services, right? But mm-hmm. Sun is not really known for anything, really. I mean, you got Spark that kind of, you know, withered and died. Uh, you got Java. You got all these things that they have their hands on, but you don't really have a focus. So I'm hoping that this this becomes a new focus and hoping, hopefully this focus will be uh, a force for open source ever, for everyone. Yeah, so do I. Speaking of focus, sounds like the Phoenix police are focused on a blogger that's a little on the critical side of them. I just have Yeah, to... it looks like they... I was going to say, it looks like this this merger didn't go well. <laughs> yeah, I just happened to... I don't even remember how I got a hold of this. I think this, I came across this on my Twitter feed, I think it was last night, where apparently there's a blogger in Phoenix, I guess he had a real messy divorce where his wife was making all kinds of accusations even though he wasn't even in town for some of them and he and she was calling the cops and everything and eventually the cop cops and everybody was i guess giving him a hard time well after that he goes creates this 
blog about it, and now he's got ex-cops and current cops and everybody contributing information about what's wrong and what's really going on with things inside the Phoenix Police Department as to where now I guess that's kind of ruffled some feathers so they went and raided his home and took basically everything that he needs to blog or anything else to the point that now he doesn't even have his own information to file his own taxes the bad thing is also is that he wasn't even home when this happened and uh, apparently it says a female roommate I don't know what that means female roommate but uh, she was handcuffed for three hours while the cops raided the place. And I wonder if, with a warrant, is there a distinction between... Uh, because uh, if their relationship is strictly roommates, anyway, I wonder if there's a distinction between her property and his property. Do they just take every computer or just his stuff? Uh, looking how they took the backup of his backups, they probably had no discretion and just took everything. Yeah, that would be my guess. And they're not really saying a whole lot about why they're, what they're charging him with or anything. I guess everything's been sealed, so even he's having a hard time finding out what's going on. But apparently the search warrant lists petty theft and computer tampering with the intent to harass as a probable cause that some judge is, that they were able to convince the judge to sign off on the warrant. Right. Uh, one thing I'm super glad of is that they um, that he has brought this to even more attention so this is going to put more scrutiny nationwide scrutiny scrutiny on this this specific case and this is nothing this is going to do nothing but probably be worse for the Phoenix Police Department well I know I heard uh, it's been a while ago but there was a oh I think there's some site out there that some police departments and stuff are aren't caring for too much because it's kind of like a rate my cop kind of a thing where you basically oh, yeah. rate the cops and how your experiences were with them and everything and this seems kind of like that except it was cops and retired cops were the ones that were actually providing the information. Yeah, yeah. This is not rate my cops. This is this is the bad cop. <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah, this this straight retaliation is it's kind of kind of disturbing, like in this country, and I can't see how they can get away with this. And the worst part is this has to be sanctioned all the way all the way up the chain from from the way I was reading the story. Yeah, I'm hopefully this guy can take the police department to court and win, but I if anything, I would at least hope that he could get his stuff back enough that he can file his taxes. Mm-hmm. Well, worst case, he can file an extension, so that's not too terribly of a big deal. Um, I guess that teaches us all to basically, we should probably back up in the cloud. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of what I've gotten to do, is to where I've, most of my stuff is in the cloud. And I keep backups off on it in multiple places in the cloud, so I'm us- I'm fairly covered. But oh, one little point about this story before we move on is that at the end of the 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 quote from the uh, police police officials say that this has nothing to do with the blog, but mm-hmm. yet an alleged source. 
that was used in the blog who was an ex-detective for the Phoenix Police Department. Apparently his residence was, was raided also. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure probably even more officers other than that are probably going to be raided too. I'm yeah. sure this is probably just the beginning I, is there a, with a I know there's a limit of how long they can keep you incarcerated without charging with something is there a limit that they can keep your stuff without actually being charged with a crime you know I I'm not sure I I'm I want to say there's not but I'm not I'm not real sure there probably is but I I I just don't think so and if anything a lot of times that stuff Goes ends up going on sale at police auctions or something, so anybody can buy it. it. Well, it's not their property; it's his property. They can't auction it off and make a, a profit off of it, can they? Mm, they do for stuff around here for like vehicles and stuff that they seize in drug busts and stuff. Well, we're right, but that's because they're, they're it was a drug bust. They were charged with a crime. But if this if he this was a, an indictment, right? This was not actually. He wasn't actually charged with anything. Yeah, in that case, I'm not sure. I I wouldn't think so, but I I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. I'm. I yeah. think I might yeah. have to look that up later. Yeah, I wonder what the statutes are. Maybe one of our listeners who's uh, familiar with uh, Arizona law can enlighten us. Yeah. Well, speaking of law, apparently it's now law in Texas that Vista is banned from all government computers. Yeah, stupid people should be banned from the Senate. <laughs> but yeah. they won't pass that law. Yeah, apparently there was... It doesn't look like it shows his name, but one state senator in Texas heard many reports of problems with Vista, which I assume are old reports. So he started a whole movement and now has Vista banned from all government computers, even though Windows Seven's about to come out, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference anyway. Yeah, just to clarify, this there's still a different committee that's uh, trying to. So this is passed in like just like we have a House of Representative in the Senate. This is going to another House for uh, for them to come up with a different bill, different version of the. Uh, I think this was the the um, the budget bill that this got passed in, and mm-hmm. so there's still two different versions. So the final version hasn't passed yet, but one ha- one side has passed this side that bans Vista and one of the here's the funny thing one of the things that they they brought up as a reason for that is to save money for Mm -hmm. upgrades but what they don't realize is that well yeah but but they they're banning Vista on new computers even and that'll actually cost money because Mm -hmm. when you do a, a, a downgrade to XP you have to pay for that so this mm-hmm. could increase the cost. Yeah. Well, what gets me is apparently the senator heard of reports of problems with Vista. So I'm assuming he's never even tried Vista to know if there's problems with it. Yeah, and and there weren't any... From all the articles I've read, I haven't heard specific problems that were actually cited. Yeah, there's no specific problems. Vista has better security than XP, but... Clearly, they don't seem to care about that. And mm-hmm. this is pretty much just all bad urban legend kind of stuff. 
Yeah, it's very scary. It's it sounds kind of big, like a like a a bigot kind of move. Like, oh, I've heard this has a bad reputation. Let's let's not like let these OSs into our house. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. It just seems kind of crazy to me. But hopefully, that means that they'll have an easier or a quicker time of upgrading to Windows Seven. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think one of our previous stories that we talked about a while back on one of our previous podcasts was talking about how Obama was getting a chief technology officer. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should go for every level of government. I that I would certainly support that idea. I'm surprised it that it doesn't seem to be catching on. Yeah, it, it's that's it's very ignorant for people to 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 make uh, at least laws on wild accusations or or hearsay arguments. That's that's very very scary. I, I, I hope the final bill when it when it does get passed and it gets signed by the governor uh, doesn't include any specific provisions like this. Yeah, well, hopefully he can find something a little bit more productive to do with his time instead of trying to pass crazy bills like this. So maybe he needs to spend more time on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, I would say yes. That At least it will show that they're technically savvy <laughs> and a little bit more productive. Yeah, according to a study coming out of the University of Melbourne, or Melbourne, apparently people who spend at least a little bit of time during their workday on sites like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter are 9% more productive than those that don't. Apparently it allows you a little bit of time to kind of zone out and get back your concentration so that you can be more productive when you're not on those sites. Yeah, and the number that they use for uh, some time on the internet is less than 20%. So on a five-day work week, that's a whole day that you can use to surf the web. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course, this doesn't apply for people with like internet addiction tendencies, like maybe me. In which case, it would right. actually make for <laughs> lower productivity. Well, all depends on what your job is. If it was to QA websites, I think that's the perfect job for you. Yeah, I don't know. I I need to find a job where I can just read an RSS reader and Twitter. Maybe throw in friend feed. Too. Yeah, and it. And then you would have to file or do something like <laughs> office related to relax. Yeah, that would be the perfect job right there. I'd, I'd go for that in a minute. So if well, anybody wants to hire you, me I to do you... something like that, <laughs> I, I can recommend him. I'll give you a I'll give, I'll, I'll give you a recommendation on LinkedIn. Hey, that works. <laughs> you know, I, I actually never even filled out my LinkedIn profile till like a month ago. I've had it for years, but I didn't. I never even bothered filling it out until like a month ago. Yeah, I I actually didn't do it either until about a month ago either. I mean, I had it there, and I was probably hovering around seventy percent of completion, and I just kicked off. Uh, it's up to ninety now, but I, I just can't take myself to write that much. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I I've never saw a whole lot of use in it, just because I don't seem to be one of those people that would necessarily use that compared to another social network but mm-hmm. it's there if people want to find me okay all right steering back to the article 
Um, basically, it's saying once you surf the web for a few minutes, uh, it, it gives you time to relax your brain, and then when you leave surfing the web and go back to your work task, it allows you to refocus and kind of uh, come with a new set of eyes and be more productive on the task that you're working on, and I totally agree with this article. Yeah, this is, I don't know, I like people that have workplaces where things like Twitter is banned, Facebook is banned, stuff like that. Take this study and show the boss there and see if anything changes. Yeah. Because, like, if you can't do anything but work, you feel like you're trapped. And you go insane and you start to get stressed out because your brain becomes fatigued and overworked and you get stressed out and you just want to leave. I mean, because if you feel trapped, the natural instinct is to leave. Yeah. Well, wasn't it, I think, your wife that I saw on Twitter yesterday saying that her work had banned Twitter or had blocked it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they blocked it all of a sudden, starting, I, I think, just, just this week. Well, you should tell her to take this study to her boss and show it to him and see what they say. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not sure if it's her boss. It's the IT department. So uh, I, I'm just going to tell her to get a Wi-Fi card or tether her phone or something. <laughs> yeah, that works too. But speaking of doing fun things to relax for a little while, apparently virtual gaming leagues are around the country are falling and as to where gamers are actually having to find real jobs. This, this Well this goes this, back to Go ahead. No, I was gonna say this kinda harkens back to what we we're talking about IBM and how there's a contraction uh in the economy and, and people are consolidating and, and and uh, players, excuse the pun, uh, are falling out. Um, and so uh, this one's talking about how a lot of virtual gaming leagues are just folding and going out of business and are losing their sponsors. Yeah, I, that, I think this, the losing of the sponsors is the biggest deal. I noticed around here in Colorado, we've always had, we've had this land that's called Everland that it, sometimes it's like twice a year, sometimes it's once every couple of years, something like that. But we haven't had one in oh, maybe three years, something like that, two or three years. Just because after the last one, and the last one was like a 700 plus person land event that we had like over $130,000 worth of cash and prizes and whatever. But after that, sponsorships just kind of dried up as to where there's... I, don't even know the last time I've actually been to a LAN party because of it. I There was one going on, there's a small one going on tomorrow that I forgot to sign up for, but it seems like even LAN parties have dried up just because there's a lack of sponsors. Well, this really doesn't make sense because, you know, kind of the recession, we understand some sponsors may not be able to participate, but there's money out there because if you look at the sale of video games, it's it's at the highest point that it's ever been. I think uh, this is just this could be boiled down to poor marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I mean, because some of that there's plenty of good. Well, it, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, gaming is growing in leaps and bounds. I I think the real problem is there's too much competition from stuff like Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network and stuff where you where you're playing these things online and usually you have a good enough connection that 
lag isn't too much of a factor as to where people don't really feel the need to go to these gaming things, and I, I think that's kind of why some of the sponsors have backed out, even though things are the best they've ever been, is because you can just do, you can have the same experience at home, and you can run tournaments remotely, and it's a whole lot cheaper to do it. Maybe they should do more, uh, you know, battle styles, like, uh, uh, you know, back in the day, we used to watch those old movies where uh, people would go into these smoky bars and say, hey, let's play a pool. I put $5 on, and I bet I can beat you, and you have these, uh, these pool sharks that come out. Maybe they should... <laughs> go more rogue and be less formal and just gamers go out and say hey, you and me, let's go five bucks, ten bucks, and then go that direction I think that's almost going to be how this is going to get started back up again because right now it's basically down to one major gaming league when there used to be a bunch of them and I think if things are going to turn around, that's how it's going to turn around is it's going to be small movements before they start to get big again, and it's going to be something like that. Yeah. I think I'm going to start my own gaming league, the the casual gaming league. Have nothing but solitaire, hearts, and spades. Yeah, the question is, will you be doing any gaming on a PlayStation 2? Uh, if I am, that's practically the only kind of games I can play, because it's such an old console. <laughs> I, I, I'm joking, of course. Yeah. Well, apparently Sony decided to drop the price the price on the PlayStation 2 this week. Everyone was kind of has been hoping for a price drop on the PlayStation 3 for the better part of a year, really. And instead, they come out a couple of days ago, earlier this week, and say, "Nope, we're dropping the price on the PlayStation 2 instead." So it's gone from $130 to $100. Store anybody yeah. that was looking to get a PlayStation 3 is going to still be waiting. Yeah, because if if you're going for... I mean, people who have PlayStation 2s uh, who may have been waiting on the PlayStation 3 for them to lower the price and mm-hmm. then they remove the backwards compatibility to the PlayStation 2 and but they still have this large library of PlayStation 3... Uh, of 2 titles... And what are they going to do when their PlayStation 2 breaks? Are they going to upgrade to a PlayStation 3? No, because they will lose their old library. Um, they probably This is probably aiming at their large user base. <laughs> and uh, this is more of a replacement market option, not, not uh, for a new sales option. Well, the PlayStation 2 is still one of the best-selling consoles out there, and I think it's still the best-selling of all time. But I apparently... The way I'm understanding it is the PS3, I think they're either still losing money on or... Yeah, I think they're still losing money on it. The Xbox 360 is breaking even, and the Wii, I think they're making like 7 bucks a console. But since they're still losing a little bit of money on it compared to the PlayStation 2, which has always been kind of a high-margin product for them, I think this is just showing that we can afford to cut the price on that compared to the PlayStation 3, which we're already losing money on. Yeah, I mean, this is the value proposition. And and, um, if they could um, somehow shoe in 
uh, a shoehorn uh, an online component uh, with the old PlayStation 2, this is uh, it could be a very very compelling competitor to the Wii. Yeah, I, that that's kind of the way I recognize the PlayStation 2s. Technically speaking, I don't think it's I think it's probably on par with the Wii. So that that's kind of the way I see it. I I've never seen the Wii as a next generation console. I think it's a, a previous generation console with the next generation controller idea. That's just kind of the way I've always seen it. Yeah, I've seen um, like boot discs that you can boot the PlayStation uh, to run Linux. You can boot it to to uh, be a streaming server. Uh, I mean, uh, take advantage of online streaming. Um, I can see custom discs being available to, to give this a whole new life, to be a platform, to, to be like a, a, a maybe a, a Roku alternative and a gaming system. I mean, there there are tons of options. Since this is an old architecture that, that people have already hacked, uh, if, they, if this revives that movement, this could be a really, really good viable platform for, for something like that. Yeah. Well, I think this move really speaks to the PlayStation Portable more than anything, because for the longest time, the PlayStation 2 was Sony's high-margin product that they were making money hand over fist on. Well, now the PSP has taken that role, and this is kind of a way of them saying, okay, now we're wanting the PSP to take over that role a little bit more than the PlayStation 2 is, because we can afford it. The PlayStation 2's old, it's going to die... Well, from the sounds of it, they've still got 70-some games coming out this year and next year for it, so that's, mm-hmm. it's got at least two more years of life left in it, but past that, it's probably going to be dead, and the real option's going to be the, the PSP that'll still be around, so I think this is kind of a transition thing from one high-margin product to the next. Right. Yeah, but for for 99 bucks, it's almost like a no-brainer impulse buy at the store, though. Yeah, it's... I, I've i got two PlayStation 2s, one of which doesn't work anymore. That's kind of my own fault, but I also have a PlayStation 3 and everything, and, and the PS2 is still a great machine. I don't play it anymore just because the PS3 I have still has the emulation in it, but if I didn't have it, then that would still be a great alternative because there's hundreds of games for the PS2 that are still great games. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is awesome. And uh, the good thing is that uh, it doesn't use a lot of online bandwidth as it stands, because if it did, you could run it to some caps with Time Warner. Yeah, that, that's certainly a good thing. Well, it probably wouldn't take much to hit the caps with Time Warner anyway, which... I don't know if we've talked about it here on this show. I know I've talked about it on my other podcast, the Geek News Daily podcast, geeknewsdaily.com. But Time Warner has been doing a bit of a trial for a 40-month, or the highest end is a 40-month, or a 40-gigabyte-a-month cap. And there's lower caps below that. But And before this is, I believe it was only in Beaumont, Texas, I think, but now it's starting to yes. expand as to where it's going to Austin, San Antonio, Rochester, New York, and Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah, this is an article or, or uh, 
a story that's directly going to affect me because I'm in Austin. Uh, it, it, well, not directly per se, because I I currently have a two year agreement and that I'm pretty much locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, so after two years, that's when they're going to try to hit me with this. One thing, as a customer, I've seen this in the news over the past few days, but I have not gotten a notice from Time Warner. So not an email, not a letter, nothing in my last statement. So I want to see how they choose to message this to their customers who may not uh, uh, be in the know like you and I. Yeah. Well, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that sounds like a fair bit of data and I'm on Comcast and I've got 250 and on a high month I use maybe 90 gigs but really that's not a whole lot because if you're somebody who streams movies whether it's via iTunes or Netflix or Hulu or whatever if you've got an HD movie those are like 5 gigabytes per movie so that's Mm -hmm. so you're talking like eight movies and that's it alright well we, we, we talked about gaming in the last story but uh, are you familiar with um, what was announced at the GDC the on live yes I saw that yeah, so you can stream or, or basically pay 720p HD games using that console quote unquote console mm-hmm. think about how much uh, how quickly you'll go over your cap with that thing yeah, because to, uh, to play it in the 720p, you have to have a 5 megabit connection. Otherwise, to play at a lower resolution, it's 1.5 megabit connection. But yeah, that's going to go through it real fast. But I don't know. I, I've been meaning to write a blog on this on the Global Geek News blog, globalgeeknews.com slash blog, or just go to globalgeeknews.com and click on the blog link. But just to go over my thoughts on this but I'm not real sure the on live thing is going to catch on it, I mean, it's a great idea and everything but some of the like benchmarks and stuff that I've seen of it aren't that impressive I've been seeing things uh, I'm trying to I had a link up here right before we started recording that's an analysis of online game on live's gaming performance saying that like for games of Halo 3 you're getting a response time of 133 to 167 milliseconds and if you're a gamer at all you know that's uh that you're going to get quite a bit of lag from that and uh GTA 4 is the same way so i think if it's almost going to be unplayable for a lot of people for stuff like that and if that's the case i don't know how much of a problem this is really going to cause from uh, from what from what I've seen, I I, I I think it looks like the on live technology is uh, very similar, if not the same, as uh, AMD's Fusion Render Cloud. And the stuff that I've seen personally with what that hardware can do, I don't think that the latency is going to be a problem. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think those numbers are off. Um, from 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 my personal experience and the demonstrations that I have seen uh, on live, could be far and away the most revolution 
extraordinary thing that that that's gonna um, that we're gonna see in this this decade. Because uh, yeah. because the the potential that that this thing holds, I, I think actually I, I know we're kind of moving away from the Time Warner story, but 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 uh, I just want to re- just reiterate this point real quickly is that um, I think on live is for real. I think it's going to be here, and I think it's going to be a force when it's unleashed to the public. Well, it certainly looks like it's got a ton of potential and a lot of community aspects to it, but I'm kind of curious to see just how well it works. When it, I, I'm, I am signed up for the beta, so hopefully I'll get into that. I think they said they're going to start opening that up in the during the summer sometime. So I'm, I'm certainly going to be trying it out to see how it is, because you can either get this little box that, uh, I don't know, it looks like about the size of a Zoom, kind of, or you mm-hmm. can use a browser plugin to do it, to play all the major titles and everything, and it's just like a little 2-meg plugin, I think they said. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm I want to say this is amazing, and the concept is amazing, the video I've seen of it is amazing, but I've heard some things that it, there's a little bit of lag. Some like the video quality isn't quite the best compared to what you can run locally. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see how this does. I, I think if anything, it'll do great for casual gamers, but for serious gamers, I don't think it's a true option. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll agree to disagree. I think. Um... As this rolls out, and uh, we'll have to see where it goes, but I think it it is the future, and I think the future is now, and it looks amazing. Um, yeah. But but Time Warner, um, the, the way that they're doing this cap, I I, I am curious because in Austin we do have an ISP option for cable. You can have Time Warner, or you can have Earthlink through Time Warner. And Earthlink is another ISP that basically uses the same lines as Time Warner. And I'm wondering if someone flex to that ISP if the same restrictions would apply. I would think not, but I have not heard anything about Earthlink in response to this article. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I didn't even really realize that Earthlink was around. I don't even think I've, I've heard much coming from Earthlink in the past couple of years. I figured they were dead and gone. Yeah, Earthlink's still around, um, and I know there's still an option. Um, I usually, I actually, I had time uh, Earthlink before I moved to Time Warner, uh, probably about six months ago, um, and, and uh, I just moved because of uh, I was on promotional pricing, and then it expired, and the price went up, and so I switched to Time Warner. Uh, but if this actually, and, and with my two years of locked in at Time Warner at the higher rate, um, I, I don't see myself. Uh, switching back to them, but I would definitely suggest that to anyone who's currently on Time Warner that would be subject to this cap, because uh, I think it's 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 monopoly power. Also, I think this might be a reaction to a lot of people uh, dropping cable because, because of uh, the high cable prices, uh, but they're not dropping their internet. So mm-hmm. maybe they're saying, "Well, we're losing money in this business. Let's let's try to uh, uh, get more money in this other business." Uh, I, th- I think probably the biggest thing of it is, in a lot of cities, I know in the city that I live in, we have an exclusive contract 
with Comcast as to where they're the sole cable provider. And I think that's the case in a lot of cities. So essentially in these cities, you don't have any much in the way of competition between a Comcast and a Time Warner. It's basically you're stuck with what the city has and there's and unless you want to use DSL there's or if you're lucky enough to have Fios, there's not a thing you can do about it. And if these companies don't have the competition, I think then they can kind of feel free to do whatever they want. Yeah, this is bad for everybody. Um, tiered internet and caps. And, and also, what really, really, really cooks my hide is there that it, from reading this article, I didn't see anything of an option to go back to an unlimited plan. Like, for no amount of money will they allow you to go back to an unlimited plan. Unless you, I guess you have to move over to, like, a business account or something like that. Well, essentially, it's unlimited. The, there's a 40 gigabyte cap for whatever the base rate is that you're paying, but you can go above that cap. You're just paying a dollar a gigabyte past that. Right, but if you want to budget and say, I want to pay this amount and use as much as I want, I haven't heard of anything like that, which is basically what we have now. Yeah, and that, and that's really what they need is they either need a real uh, much higher cap, something similar to Comcast, or they've got to offer a higher tier or something. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's more like I'm paying. I could have the possibility of paying more money for less service, and I guess that's where all the outrage is coming from because there's no benefit to this. The, 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 it doesn't sound like this is helping the customer in any respect. So it doesn't seem like if I use less, I'll get charged less. No. If I use more, I get charged more, and that's the only option. Yeah. Well, this could end up really screwing ABC and Disney co- customers, especially if they're hoping to be able to watch their content on Hulu when it comes there. Apparently there's talks of ABC and Disney bringing their TV content like shows like Grey's Anatomy and like Private Practice and Desperate Housewives, shows like that, to Hulu. Hold on, I'll be right back. I'm being called again. Okay. Was it, was there an issue because there's no Battlestar Galactica and people are in uproar over in your, your homestead? No, the cat was on top of the refrigerator and my mom was having a panic attack about it. But, oh, okay. Yeah, speaking of that, I actually get to go to Starfest and what is it, week after next, and get to meet uh, uh, Katie Sackoff that played Starbuck. Oh, really? Are you going to yeah. ask her what she is? <laughs> okay, ask her. I want to know what she is. Actually, I saw a interview. I don't know if we're going to cut this out or what, but or if we're going to keep this in the show. Maybe I'll just keep it in the show and cut out a little bit in there. But um, Ron Moore, I saw an interview with him, I think it was last week or maybe it was the week before, where he was asked that, and he said that there is nothing that she necessarily is. It's just kind of an up to the what the person who watches and what they want to think that she is. But there's no actual, is she an angel, is she a demon, is she a ghost, what is she? Uh, I think they're just leaving room for a movie. A la, uh, a la Star Trek or or uh, or like a Serenity type movie where they kind of uh, uh, close some of the loose ends. I, I, I bet that's where it's heading. 
Well, they do have the movie called The Plan that's coming out in the fall. I don't remember when exactly that's coming out. I want to say like September or something like that. But that's supposed to be kind of more of uh, the Cylons' point of view of things. But he mm-hmm. also mentioned in the interview if um, he talked about the possibility of the show coming back or anything. He said the way it is, it's pretty much wrapped up and there's not a whole lot they can do and they've pretty much auctioned off all the set pieces on eBay and everything. But just in case, they did t- they do have digital scans of the entire set and everything, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Uh, okay, all right, all right. But, back to yeah, Disney. Back to Hulu. <laughs> back to Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Disney. There's a lot of things that have been going on that um, people are saying because Steve Jobs is no longer in the picture, and I know Steve Jobs is on the board of Disney. Uh, anything around that you think, or is that just a stretch? Uh, I I would say it's possible. I'm I'm not real sure how much he he's the largest shareholder in Disney's, but I'm not real sure just how much he has to do with it, especially when it comes to um their TV and to stuff like ABC. I don't know. I I would say it's possible that he could have a hand in this, but. I would think that if that's the case, he'd be more focused on bringing everything to iTunes more than anything. True. True. It's just a stretch. It's just something that pops in my head. You gave me too much time to think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but if this does happen, I know I will be singing the praises, even though I actually have dropped off on a lot of my ABC shows that I watch, mm-hmm. at least this season. Uh, I think a consolidation, as we seems to be the theme of the show, is good. Yeah, I, I, there's, I don't think there's any ABC shows I watch anymore. I mean, I used to be a big fan of Desperate Housewives and Grey's Anatomy, but I just kind of dropped off watching them, Desperate Housewives, largely because The Apprentice is on at the same time, and I prefer that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. There's not much. I don't think there's any ABC shows I even watch anymore. But at least mm. now I could have a little bit more of an option as to where I could watch it if it came to Hulu. That said, they did well, make a ma- they did make a deal with YouTube earlier this week for clips and stuff from shows. But that's I don't know. I've never been a big fan of the whole clip thing. I would rather have a full episode. Sure. Maybe we just touched on something. You say you don't watch ABC shows. I don't watch ABC shows. Maybe this is a, a way for them to expand their audience a little bit. Uh, because even if they did have, I mean, with the lack of people watching, you and I anyway, maybe mm-hmm. this is a way that they can expose people to uh, other shows they may not have watched. Or if they come out with actually a decent show, uh, they, they would be able to pull in viewers from Hulu to come and watch it on ABC's uh, uh, channel. Well, I think part of it, at least from the way I see it, it, it feels like they've kind of gone away from the male audience to an extent, because now when they've got shows like Desperate Housewives and Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice and stuff like that, yeah, there are some men, myself included on occasion, that do watch those, but compared to shows that they used to have, like maybe The Practice or Alias or shows like that that are a little bit more action-oriented that men are more likely to watch, I think that's part of why I don't watch them anymore is just because it's gotten to be too female oriented in my opinion 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and and this is a good move. Uh, this this will actually help uh, ABC hopefully, and maybe this will be a trend. Maybe they'll see a, a spike in viewership, uh, a spike in um, in advertisements, uh, and uh, strengthen both Hulu and ABC at the same time. And maybe we, I mean we there were, there were talks about Hulu that that, that some of their uh, even NBC or Fox might be pulling out of there, and if if this makes Hulu bigger and better, I I, I say more power to them. Yeah, I I've always kind of liked the idea of all the networks being on Hulu, ABC not being at the top of the list by any means. I'd much rather have someone like Spike TV be on there so I can get some UFC fights when I want them. But I don't know. If I'm I'm kind of curious to see. If this happens, I'm sure it probably will, but how well it'll work, I don't know. But I look forward to it either way. Oh, yeah. Lost my list of stories. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, we're on to... Uh, 84%. We're on to 80%. Yeah, 84% of people would prefer more blog readers than Twitter followers. Where do you fall on this? I would probably agree with that. I I would prefer more blog readers for two reasons. I mean, yeah, I get more feedback from Twitter followers, which is great, but the problem with that is they're limited to 140 characters, and when I get comments on blogs, on the Global Geek News blog, for example, that's the main one, that and my PCNerd37.com, I tend to get much larger, more in-depth responses that are more well thought out than something you can stick in 140 characters. Plus, it's sure. a whole lot easier for me to monetize my blog than it is Twitter followers, which that's a whole other thing right there. Right. Um, I think this ties back into where are you more active? Um, are you or, or where can you express your ideas more freely? And I think the blog is probably going to be the answer for most people. Um, I actually am on the other side of this story. i rather have more Twitter followers than people who read my blog. Let me tell you why. Because mm-hmm. uh, the blog that I have is not my own personal blog, for one. It's a corporate blog. Yeah. That, so that's that's probably one part of it. The, the, the other part of it is, is that um, people who read my blog are a certain type of people and mm-hmm. people who follow me on Twitter are more well-rounded so they might not be technophiles they may they may be in something totally different but they all find uh, my interaction valuable on Twitter and so for that diversity alone I value Twitter to Twitter better than I uh, more than I do my blog yeah I, I would certainly agree with the more more well-rounded point um i my issue on this i think is more in terms of what's more easily what i can more easily monetize i mean i've never made a whole lot from either twitter or any of the blogs or podcasts or anything i i've i've used google adsense but never yet have i gotten a check from them i think i've maybe made like in all the time i've been doing this 86 bucks i think and which you'd need to make a hundred just to get a check from Google. But mm-hmm. even that, I've 
I don't know how much you've paid attention or how much my followers pay attention, but over the... I don't know how long they've been around, but since the Be A Magpie service has been around on Twitter, which is basically a way for you Mm -hmm. to monetize your own Twitter feed by inserting ads into your Twitter feed, I haven't made a whole Mm -hmm. lot on that. I think I made like 12 euro, a little under 13 euros on that. And what... It used to be a decent thing as to where I could actually kind of make a little money on it, but lately they've gone to, it's gotten to be more of a commission kind of thing where it's, and commission and affiliate sales, where, yeah, you're displaying these um, advertisement tweets, but the pe- but your um, followers have to actually click the link and go purchase something before you can make any money. That's why earlier this week I ditch the whole thing because I wasn't that's what everybody that's what all the advertisers on there are going to a store I'm not making a thing so I'm I decided I wasn't going to pollute my Twitter feed with it anymore well I absolutely agree with you if you're talking about monetization um, there is a business case for having uh, uh, established business cases anyway on uh, on on having a lot of subscribers on your blog, but there is not a business case for having a lot of followers on Twitter, uh, none established anyway. Um, and so, for monetization, I have to agree with you there. Um, but um, for interaction, which is why I participate, um, I think that Twitter is a much more rich environment. And I guess the the other part of that too is that. I think there's more opportunity on Twitter to actually meet the people you talk to as opposed to with a blog. Um, I, I think that uh, more of your audience will be dispersed because of how narrow a focus a blog is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with it. I think it's just kind of where on the fence you sit, whether you, do you care more about monetization or do you care about more about the interaction and just how much interaction do you want to have? Do you want to have the amount of interaction that you can have in 140 characters or the amount that you can have in six or seven paragraphs? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't talk much. I mean, I talk much, I write little. So <laughs> yeah. Twitter is, best, is the best for me. And, uh, uh, it, it, and speaking of monetization... Uh, Netflix is trying to get more money from people who subscribe to their service, not their blog. Yeah, this is something that really irritated me. Earlier this week, before it started showing up all over the blogosphere and everything, I got an email from Netflix saying that my rates were going to be going up. Not my regular DVD rental rates, but my Blu-ray rental rates. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Do you use Netflix at all? Yes. I'm at the two DVD unlimited month. Do you use Blu-ray at all? Nope. I have not hopped on that train. Well, it, it's been a number of months ago where they decided that for the Blu-ray movies, since they're more expensive discs, they're higher quality and everything, they were going to charge you an extra dollar a month, which at the time was fine with me. I thought that was still a pretty good deal because I'm getting better quality and it's only a dollar a month. What a... Why would I care? But earlier this week, I got an email saying that they were going to... 
triple that as to where it's now three dollars a month. I and three a month still isn't that bad, but to triple it seems like a huge jump overnight, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you what my hunch is. It's it's kind of like a far out story, but here it is. Um, I remember when Blu-ray beat HD DVD, and the first thing they did was I think they raised the price of some of their standalone uh, players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is probably some of that, like where uh, Sony thinks that they've won the war and they have uh, become more mainstream. I bet they were sending kickbacks Netflix's way to support them, and now they probably removed some of their subsidies, and now Netflix is trying to make up for some of that lost revenue. That's just just a guess. It's just off the top of my head, but it would totally make sense to me if that was the way it was. Well, I'm thinking, if anything, it could be making up for lost revenue on the streaming end of things. Is, I don't know if you saw, but earlier this week, or maybe it was yesterday, day before, something like that, that Netflix officially shipped its two billionth DVD. Well, that doesn't even count how much streaming stuff is, and considering bandwidth costs and server costs and everything. They're, and considering that the streaming is just thrown in as part of the package of the different uh, service levels, I... Th- and they're not really making any money on it, I think that this is kind of a way of making up on that, because a lot of the stuff that you stream in and of itself is HD, so there really isn't a whole lot of difference between that and the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, I haven't heard, I've heard people say that they'll they'll stop getting, well, well, how about you? Will you stop getting Blu-ray movies because of this? I've thought about it, but I don't, think so. I don't know. I might, but I I enjoy the Blu-ray quality enough that I don't think that I will. I mean, I've, I've, I've got the two DVD out at a time plan, so it's $14 anyway, and another $13, or another $3 for that, so it's $17 instead of the 15 I was paying. I mean, the extra $2 a month isn't that big a deal to me, so I'm probably not going to do anything. But depending on which plan you have depends on is probably going to be uh, make more influence on your decision. Because if you get if you're just getting like one DVD out at a time or whatever, it's still it's only going to be a dollar for you or two dollars. Or if you get the three if you get two DVDs out at a time, it's three dollars. If you have three DVD out, DVDs out, it's four dollars. Four out, it's five dollars. Five out, it's six dollars. Six out, it's seven dollars. Seven out, it's eight dollars. Eight out, it's nine dollars. And when you get to the tier of eight DVDs out at a time, which I don't know why anyone would do that for forty-eight <laughs> bucks a month. Who's gonna sit and watch eight DVDs at a time anyway? But that's right. an extra nine bucks a month. That seems to be like a a bit of a jump. That then I would consider dropping it. Yeah, it's all those out-of-work gamers that are getting those uh, eight, eight DVDs a month. Um, yeah. But uh, it seems to be the consensus that evil, people are saying, okay, well, they're mad about it, but they'll still pay it. Or some people will say, well, I'll just stop watching Blu-ray. But very few have said that they'll drop Netflix. And I think that's the re- reaction they're, that they're uh, looking for. 
Yeah, well, I don't think at this point anybody would really drop Netflix because there's no real other good options. I mean, around here we got Blockbuster, which is crap, and we got Hollywood Video, which I think is just as bad, and I don't even think they've got the like the online component and stuff that a Blockbuster or even a Netflix has, so they're real, no real competition either. And I don't, I don't think they Netflix really has the competition at this point to really go to other than Blockbuster and Blockbuster nobody really wants anyway because they're just going to get ripped off there. Yeah, and and this kind of harkens back to what we we're talking about how video game sales are up, uh, movie ticket sales are up. I think services like Netflix are just going to continue to go up even though uh, some of the prices are going up. So uh, people are willing to pay for entertainment uh, nowadays and uh, I think people are going to be mad about this. Uh, they may see some drop off uh, but I think you know a month from now we're not going to be talking about this anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you'd see more of a drop off if they had a larger library available for streaming. Especially for some of the newer stuff. If if the streaming library was much larger, comparable to the Blu-ray library, then I think you'd see a considerable drop-off, just because in most cases, a lot of the stream stuff is HD quality if you have a fast enough connection. Yeah, true. But if you want the um, the sound quality that comes with the Blu-ray disc, like the True HD, um, you're still gonna want that disc. Yeah. But speaking of streaming video, apparently AT&T tried to pass off the idea that it was going to forbid streaming video, file sharing, and data tethering on all of its services. Yes, the, this is a very stupid story. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think that uh, just like AT&T has always done, they always try to screw over their users, and then there's an outrage, and they pull back. Um, this actually, this article was actually written by a, a friend of mine, Stacy Higabotham, uh, who works for GigaOM. And uh, I, I asked her to comment about this, and uh, she replied back that the story was updated uh, also, and she has updated her story. Um, but this is insane. It sounds like this is something that someone came up with and then somehow it got published. I mean, the way that they target certain things are like, okay, what are all the things that we don't want to happen? Let's put that in a term of service and call it out. Yeah. And it's written so it's written so poorly, too. Well, it kind of makes sense why they would do this just for the stability of their network and stuff. But doing something like this where you're forbidding like video streaming so you can't use applications like Quick or Skype and whatnot, that's pretty much crippling anybody with a data card or an iPhone, basically. And that's really... And yeah, but it's... It's bad enough that Apple tells you what you can and can't create for the most part to be um, tied down even more by the carriers even worse. Well, here, let me read a quote from uh, from the Terms of Service. Downloading movies, well, we're, this is the, what they're prohibiting. Downloading movies, 
using P2P file sharing services, customer-initiated redirection of television or other video or audio signals via any technology from a fixed location to a mobile device, web broadcasting, and or for the operation of servers, telemetry devices, and or supervisor control, and data acquisition devices. So it says right here that uh, initiated redirection of television or other video or audio signals. So if I'm watching Hulu, wouldn't that be redirection of a television signal? Uh, I think for a redirection, I think they're more talking about something like... uh like a sling box or Sony's location free player. I know that's probably the spirit of the terms of service, but the letter of which it's written, I think Hulu would be, would fall under that if strictly saying that. Yeah, I, it could be construed as that. Yeah. And, and also what if YouTube could do that? I mean, it's like anything that has video. I mean, cause these servers are fixed locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, so I, I'm. It kind of reminds me of what Facebook tried to do with its terms of service, where it just tried to blanket everything and instead of picking out what it really meant. Yeah, it's very poorly written, and uh, the update is that uh, the 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 that they did pull out. Um, that terms of service with an apology saying that it was an error. Yeah, I find I kind of find that funny that they're saying it's a, just an error that it never meant was supposed to have been in there. And I'm looking the company. Here's the company statement: the language added to on March 30th to AT&T's wireless data service terms and conditions was done in error. It was brought to our attention, and we have since removed it. We apologize for any convenience this may have caused. That and that's their statement. I, how, how could this be done, in error, to the point that it had had to be brought to their attention? I mean, it makes no yeah, sense to me. I, I mean, were they hacked? Was this a April Fool's joke that went awry a little too early and never got taken down? Uh, did somebody get fired over this, saying it was an error? Or is it, to me, it's just a cop-out. They're just pulling out and uh, trying to say, oh, these are not the droids you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is just a case of, oops, we didn't mean to piss off so many people, so let's just pull it for now and we'll work it back in later. Yeah, I can't believe it took five days. Five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm I'm curious to know if during those five days of those changes, if it affected anybody's account, if anybody's account got got disconnected or anything because of it. Well, just like the the some of the the um, terms of service of any high speed data service, I don't think they have the equipment to actually filter and monitor every single account to know what someone's doing. Yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, I guess that's pretty much everything for this week. Yeah. A a nice long show after a nice yeah, after a nice long hiatus. 
yeah, hopefully we'll be back to weekly now that you're all healed up and all of my issues seem to be taken care of now. So I think we're good to go. And just to give the listeners a little bit of heads up, I am planning on tweaking with the format of the show in the future. Um, in the future, I do want to have like more guests and stuff like we had with Walt Ribeiro. But in terms of the actual format of the show... I think I'm thinking taking out the music in the middle, doing some intros and outros, just doing some various things. If you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to stick them in the comments or email me at pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com or even at me on Twitter, which I am pcnerd37 there as well. But I'm just the way the format is now, it's just making it this to where it's taking forever for me to actually edit the show and get it out so just as a way of trying to make things simpler I just want to change things so if you have any ideas feel free to send them along but okay. I think that's everything for me you can of course follow me at pcnerd37 on twitter oh and don't forget to check the show notes at globalgeeknews.com don't forget to check out the blog globalgeeknews.com slash blog and follow me on FriendFeed, friendfeed.com slash PCNerd37. And that's pretty much it for the places that you can find me. What about for you? Oh, I'm simple. You can just follow me on Twitter, Wesley83. Yeah, see, you're too simple. I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I guess that pretty much does it for episode 19 of the Global Geek News podcast and we will see you next week. Later. <laughs>